Hello and welcome to the Yoga Syndicate. Today's episode is Asteya. Ellen, what is Asteya? Asteya is one of the yamas, one, something we should uh, refrain from. It's found in the second chapter of the Patanjali Yoga Sutras. It's also found in Buddhism where it is called uh, Machimba Lempa, which means taking what is not given. Uh, so I think that's a very good definition of uh, asteya, refraining from stealing. Stealing, non-stealing, asteya, to not steal. Um, once again, you know, when we discuss these yamas, uh, we go straight into, you know, when we saw violence, uh, the word violence or truth, uh, and uh, in this case, um, stealing, we think right away, you know, not taking something from the store. Mm. But the asteya and this non-stealing attribute really adheres to the concept of just, you know, embodying truth again from the previous yama and putting it into a sense of also, don't steal your own heart, your own passion, your own time away. It's kind of a diffused, but very, at the same time, very uh, concrete topic, isn't it, mm. to not steal? Mm. Uh, I think it's, uh, on one hand, it's a very concrete, concrete topic. On the other hand, it's getting very dispersed in our time. And what I mean by that is uh, that in our times there are so many ways of uh, stealing and if we again think of stealing as pertaining to the actions of body speech and mind uh, the borders start to get very uh, um, very uh, fuzzy uh, because uh, if, we, if we include uh, also the the properties that are not just material properties, we also have intellectual properties, ideas these days. We have stealing someone's time, or um, uh, or um, or or even occupying their their space and not giving people the space. There's also a, a kind of stealing. So I think it, it, it's it's a practice these days to uh, to keep your uh, asteya to observe your asteya properly. Well, it seems like it's also been a practice for people to 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 keep stealing without even realizing they're doing it, mm. <clears throat> because part of you know part of stealing is just already from the beginning having a certain greed and a craving for for artificial uh, uh, artificial things and by by putting too much focus on on anything, mm. whether it be a materialistic item or you know, taking part in a club just for personal gain, you're stealing this uh, this essence, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we really have to consider again, and that's why I like the Tibetan definition, taking what is not given. Was this really freely given to me? Was I meant to have this? Was I meant to have this space, this time? Was I meant to use this material or this speech or these ideas freely? Or was I not? Mm. It m must have been very interesting back in the days uh, of the Upad <coughs> Upanishads and the, the Vedas when you had, you know, at a certain level of information, knowledge, 
you know, because back in that day, there wasn't really someone's house you could break into and take something. So stealing in its original form in terms of Osteia was written about uh, about keeping your focus, keeping your truth and not, not taking someone else's focus and distorting their truth. Mm. Uh, don't you think there was more... Uh, uh, more focus back then when they were writing about this in the Vedas that uh, that Asteya meant uh, the personal growth mm. factor of not not distorting or taking it away? I think it was also a big question for uh, renunciate whether they were uh, uh, solitary renunciates or or people living in a in a monastery because you would have uh, you would have a lot of gifts coming your way. So it's also about how you how do you deal with with property that comes your way that is given to the community, uh, and it was this big sin really or this big mistake or this big misdeed that you could do if you took some of the property that was meant for the for the sangha and you kept it for yourself, which we could think would be very uh, would be very tempting at times, and you could. You could sort of be a little bit sloppy about it and just take even a little bit of tea for yourself for your own pleasure uh, and and that was actually i think it was very necessary to have these uh, strict rules about uh, asteya or not taking what is not given uh, to keep a very clear path in that sense because there was a lot of property uh, going around and there was also um, uh, the tradition of uh, of begging for alms and uh, also be considerate maybe how how you went away with that did these people really want to give you something could they afford to give you something so also um, I think it was also important in that context I mean to not take what is not given um, and and in terms of that context I mean isn't st- isn't Asteya actually boiling down to the concept that, you know, uh, in my realm, in my head, in my heart, in my sentiment, that I'm just, I'm not good enough. There must be something missing. There must be something else that I can either take or I can, you know, uh, immerse myself in. Uh, just like, you know, let's let's put it into to yoga. I mean, it, if your body's not ready to move on and in another series of poses, then you're stealing your own map, aren't you? By, by, by going too quickly. I mean, that's also stealing, isn't it? Well, I think this uh, whole concept of yoga has uh, changed so much when it has uh, migrated to the West. As uh, uh, in the uh, traditional way, we were given postures by the guru. We were given postures by the by the teacher, when the teacher understood that the student was ready. Whereas these days, there's an expectation. Now we're in the world of capitalism, and uh, the provider and the and the the consumer so when yoga moves into the con- world of consumerism it changes its character and people go to class and they have certain expectations to get value for their money and they don't see on the other hand they don't see the full value of what they are receiving maybe they would benefit more from receiving less but implemented in a very honest way in their bodies and minds but that's not how how yoga works in the consumerist world no it's like robbing yourself of a, a sustainable and natural uh, practice isn't it 
Mm-hmm. And and probably also putting a certain pressure on the teacher to to give or to reveal more of the practice than uh, than they actually would like to do that th- that they would find beneficial for the students. I mean, I often find myself in that situation actually. Yeah, and as a teacher, uh, I've experienced this myself. I've, you know, you're in the middle of a class. You've attained and achieved a certain. A, certain sense of peace like okay these people they not only spend their money and time here but they're really they're really on their path and one of the stops on their map was this yoga class today then suddenly in the middle of the class someone's like excuse me should i have my foot out to the right or was it i meant to put it on the inside um um can you just show me real quick and then suddenly the class the energy the peace the sentiment, it breaks down and it's hard to get it back. That's also uh, an element of Osteya, isn't it? Mm, yeah, I think so. To Not to, from the student side, not to be aware of what is going on and stealing someone's time. I think that's definitely a big issue these days. Uh, we we do it and, and we, are, we are prone to, uh, to uh, having our time taken away from us. And uh, I think I think often we don't recognize it how something or someone just consumes our time. Well, what about from the teacher side? I mean, I don't know how many thousands of you know yoga books we have and that will never be read, and some of them, uh, regrettably, perhaps never open. But you know how it is. You you go somewhere and you you see a certain angle, and you're just like, I got to get that. You put it in your bag. You take it home. You go straight to your bookshelf and, you know, you look around and you're like, wait a minute. Um, I don't think I'll be reading this uh, uh, too fast, too soon, but I'm so glad to have it. And then you get sort of towards the end of, of life, perhaps, and you look back at that, that bookshelf and there's still at least uh, one in five books you've, you've maybe never opened or really gone through. Is that also a sort of conscious or lack of being conscious form of stealing? Well, I think it's a kind of greed that we want to have all this um, information and we take more information than we can chew. And uh, it just boils down to uh, how yoga should be transmitted. And it's probably not through a book. It's probably better to go to a class and get your poses one at a time. Right. But um, this whole, you know, we'll be moving on to the Apriya Graha, where it's the grasping nature of attaining uh, different items and, you know, the Raghatvesha as we, you know, go towards things and identify ourselves with things. Um, do things get in the way of understanding our, our own true nature? What gets in the way of understanding our own true nature? The the grasping, and grasping and, and accord, uh, you know, acquiring. Uh, does, is, this, is this part of the problem? Is life too cluttered? I think our lives are, are certainly very complex and I think we make them more complex. So maybe even in the 21st century, it could be good to go back and look at these very simple rules of life. Try to make your life a little bit more simple. It doesn't have to be so complicated if you just decide to be a good person. And in in other parts of the world, as I have noticed, that is actually enough. That's how you are judged, not by what you are doing or your career, but whether you're a good person with an honest uh, heart 
and uh, non non judgmental attitude. That's enough. Yeah. Well, why is it then? Uh, at least from, I hate putting myself into the West and saying, I'm a Westerner, but I, I can't deny the fact that I too am just a product of my surroundings, um, and you know. Why is life just in and of itself, in our own true nature, not good enough when it comes to uh, a tendency that builds up that, um, hey, I I think I need that, um, you know, I'm a photographer and I also know notice that, you know, although I can work and move forward or move back, that there's still certain lenses that I can just stay back with, um, but but. N- you know, it's 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 all you have what you need, and we were given what we need. But there's, you know, there's always this little chase for the next thing. Are we in control of our own true nature? If we decide to, I think it's totally possible. But we have to see where we're standing first, and see that we're standing in the middle of this consumerism, and it's also rooted in our culture. It's also rooted in the idea of uh, capitalism and individualism, this extreme focus on becoming someone and improving yourself all the time and standing out. And uh, it's very opposed to what you might find in other cultures or what you found in our cultures a couple of centuries ago, where you were so much more part of a society of a group uh, and you had a connection to your group and that defined your uh, um, identity well then then that means we should just you know look around <clears throat> in our surroundings whether it's you know good practice uh, or being amongst others that we practice a certain level of abundance practice the feeling that things are good enough how do you uh, practice uh, this concept of knowing and feeling that you have what you need. Um, just let us know. What's your take on that? Um, well, I think it's good to try a little bit of a life in, in both extremes. Uh, I have tried uh, at times to live a very simple life. I lived in the monastery. I had a small room. We didn't always have electricity or water. Um, there was very simple conditions with uh, regards to food and and what was available on the small in the small village in in India. But I was very happy because uh, I was surrounded by the the people I really loved and and admired. Uh, all the the monks and nuns who were like examples for me. And if my lifestyle was simple, there was even more simple. Uh, But they were so dedicated. So I think it helps to have uh, examples around you. And I think it it helps to have guides and uh, and maps to to follow. And uh, in Buddhism, it's uh, this is nothing new, even if you know we're in the in the modern times now. But th- it was this concern also in the in the old days. So in Buddhism, it's called the the four worldly concerns that you want to have: fame, gain, uh, praise, um, and um, um, oh, I always forget the last one. <laughs> and you want to you want to un- uh, avoid the opposite. You don't want to be infamous. You don't want to have loss. You don't want to have a bad reputation. Um, so, um, uh, so this was certainly a concern back in the days as well. And it is a concern for even a spiritual practitioner that you. 
you know the ego also want to be spiritual and and famous and you want to uh, you want to stand out and and be admired but this is always pointed out to you that this is this is really now you have to be careful it's a warning sign this is something you should be uh, be aware of don't go in the trap so you know the trap might be the whole concept of kiss isn't it like keep it simple stupid and you know um i for example i um you know i look around the studio where we're recording this now and i don't know how many microphones i have here that could be used instead of the two that we're using now and thinking you know what's the point and at the same time having you sit next to me and you know there have been different times while you've been living in the quarters nearby the studio that i uh, i've uh, walked by and heard you chanting and uh and I go back and walk by that same door half an hour later and you're still doing it. And I um I I then reflect upon my life, you know, and I I spend a lot of time envying others for what they achieve in, you know, um nourishing themselves with not only a simplicity but a discipline that's simply simple in its own nature that that resonates and obviously does something for the overall you. In this case, so, and I've just you know prior to you know um, uh, starting this particular cast, I've went out and uh, took you out of a, a morning practice that you've done time and time again. So, for me, Ellen Johannesson, you've always been this real deal sort of um, sense of uh, inspiration. Should we look to those who inspire us uh, a little more directly? And if if someone is living let's just say in the middle of norway or the middle of nowhere how do we um can we find this inspiration online uh do we need someone else to remind us or do we need if you're living in the middle of nowhere is a tree good enough blowing in the breeze and how long should we look up at the branches I think it's definitely important to have role models and I just want to point out that uh, I don't practice that much and I always blame myself for not practicing enough and I've asked myself time and time and again why why don't I practice more why don't I do more of the things that really nourish me rather than all the stupid things I I waste my time on like the rest of us and I also have people who I admire immensely who go into like long retreats and practice for for hours and hours a day and get up at three o'clock in the morning and get the things done um, <clears throat> and I, I I wonder what this have to has to do with is it a kind of a lack of self-love that we can't give ourselves what nourishes us the most that we feel obliged to fill our brains and with crap I don't really understand it. It is kind of insane. Mm. And then, uh, but to answer your second question, um, whether you can sit in the middle of Norway and look up at the breeze in the tree, depends where you are in your life. I think that's uh, perfectly possible. And when I think back of my own life, I had, I think I had my first really spiritual deep experience in exactly that way. Just waking up one morning, on the countryside in our summer house where I hadn't been for a long time. I had been a really depressed teenager and I just woke up and, and I saw the life around me. I heard the leaves 
rattling. I saw the grass and the colors and the sun and the shades. And it was a deeply spiritual experience. But that was again uh, there and then. It was probably the, the result of many factors, causes and conditions coming together. So we have to find what we need. And it could be, you could may you may find things online. It's actually a big discussion now during the um, Corona epidemic, because so many great lamas are going online in order to meet their sangha, their community. So it's a big discussion whether you can give a spiritual tra transmission through the internet, whether you can give an initiation, what we call an empowerment, or not. So the the opinion is di divided there. I think if you can, it's better to, It's I think it's always better to, to meet someone live, maybe go to a intense retreat or or uh, or a workshop or or to to study with someone over time so that you get a boost so you get some inspiration and then your practice might or might not be strong enough that you can continue on your own that's well, a really interesting concept because <clears throat> a lot of practice is set up and a lot of uh, you know writings and essays and interpretations are sort of brought forward through the concept that you know you have what you need you just have to, you don't, you just need to awaken it. I mean, your inner peace, your love for someone else, it's its already there, your acceptance, um, uh, and, and the list goes on. Um, so I think down the line, whether it's, you know, not uh, stealing your time or someone else's, whether it's finding a truth, whether it's understanding, you know, how you either go towards something to uh, accumulate or how you in the opposite have a version where you're denying things so strongly that you're also making too much a, a point out of not wanting to have things that everything's about energy isn't it it's about finding a balance so that you whether there's a tree there or not that you can just breathe that you can just be and that if anything clouds your ability to breathe and to be then it perhaps is stealing something away from you in closing did you have any other non-stealing uh comments to come with or are you afraid you're going to steal the podcast away i, I don't know if i, I should steal it, this podcast away but i'm just thinking of uh, of what you're saying that uh, how we know everything intuitively as part of our deepest nature. Yeah, that is very true. And all the spiritual traditions say that. Uh, and there are gurus who, uh, who uh, give a, a path, a step-by-step -step path, even if they know that there is really no path necessary because the final step is beyond any concepts. And there are gurus who, who doesn't give a path. Uh, who just say, you are, you just have to be, rest in the nature of mind. Um, I'm kind of a traditional person, so I'm, uh, I'm in favor of the path. Even when we have reached the goal, we see that the path was not necessary. We can, we can burn our raft, uh, but it doesn't mean that we didn't need the, the raft or the path or the map to, to cross the ocean. Oh, I love that, because uh, I was just thinking the same. I was thinking, you know, is the path in and of itself stealing our own true nature to just darn it just just to be do we do we need to open a book to do anything do we have to 
constitute uh, a certain education or uh, complete anything to feel ourselves complete? Isn't it wonderful just to, you know, the, the greatest guru probably would tell you, you know, forget all this yoga nonsense, just forget it. Um, you, you are yoga. The only reason you are doing this is to, you know, to, to take out and remove this dukkha, all this suffering. So in that case, do yoga. But when you stop suffering, just stop doing yoga. Or what's your take on that? Well, we have all these uh, funny examples on, uh, of gurus who, who try to do exactly that, who try to wake you up abruptly to what you already are so they do things like slapping you on the head with a sandal and stuff like that and if the student is ready and the guru is a real guru then that happens in the in the snap of a finger and so um, uh, so we certainly have that tradition as, as well but that that again has to do with your disposition your karma and being at the right place at the right time and even the uh, even the Buddha says that in in one of the sutras that he remembered the simplicity when he sat in his uh, father's garden under a um, rose tree, rose apple tree. It was a rose apple tree, and he felt this simplicity. He was in a in a very intuitive state of uh, meditation. So it might happen that we can, uh, and and at that point when he realized that, or or he had had that memory, he realized that he it was time to give up the ascetic uh, path of torturing himself and doing a lot of austerities and starving himself and look for another path. Hmm. Uh, I think it's fascinating. Uh, I love when you speak too, and I love the uh, you're always talking about the path. And now I've you know I hear a raft that's now. We're letting go of uh, and a map that we're constructing all the way. Um, should we? Should this map be something like our mobile telephones that we're constantly referring to, or is it just okay to walk with your your head up without looking so much forward or down the path? I think it's good to uh, to use a map. Actually, there is always the danger of deceiving ourselves that we misinterpret these statements that we are already what we need to do and we interpret that uh, we are already what we need to uh, to be we already we are everything we are enlightened and we interpret that as we don't need to do anything we can just kind of lay back and eat our chips and you know do do nothing uh, but then we are probably not there no i i like that you made a little you know small mistake there you said we are all what we need to do uh, and in fact that was that was that was a crazy truth uh, not you know you wanted to say we all are that which we need to do uh, we need to be uh, you see I even I even made a mistake on it because it seems so intuitive to say we are what we need to do so in light of that I think right now um, what we need to do is we need to round up here uh, in understanding that what we need to do is keep keep a hold of the map that we're constructing and what we need to do is to to spend a little more time and energy understanding uh how this 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 violence can be avoided uh in in understanding our our own truth and that which is truth uh and then moving up to the yama number three which is today's topic is then not stealing 
that which we need to do. Um, and that is, is perhaps finding a, a balance in, in, in not all things, but when we can. So uh, with all that said, thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode on Asteya. And remember, this is the Yoga Syndicate.